Okay, so this has been a very strange um, few weeks. And the world uh, seems to be coming unhinged. Um, this coronavirus is spreading across the globe and uh, it's frightening many, many individuals and countries and leaders. Um, and what a few weeks ago seemed like uh, a normal world now turns out uh, to look very different. We were looking forward to chasnas and dinners, uh, bar mitzvahs, PTA meetings, learning in yeshiva, going to davening, all the things that we took for granted. And lately, within uh, the last week or so, everything began to turn around. And the things that we assumed were going to be forever and were going to uh, happen did not. Suddenly, we find ourselves in a very different world where... It's a chiddish if we're able to daven with a minion in some communities, if we're able to learn in a yeshiva. Many of yeshivas are closing, Rachman and Litzlan, sending Talmidim and Talmidos home. Levias even are under scrutiny whether or not we should have minyanim at Levias, how many people are allowed to attend. Uh, simchas in Eretz Yisrael are limited hundred people and no more and in America also they're limiting uh, the suggested amount of attendees and travel traveling to Israel and to America and to different parts of the world all the things that we were assuming were fine and and were given are suddenly everything is in question and basically the world as we know it has just turned over on its head And in this week's parsha, we find a very similar idea that everything was perfect, and then all of a sudden everything changed and was not perfect. We have Matan Torah, Klal Yisrael comes together after Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, and we have Hakadosh Baruch Hu coming and giving us the Torah as a chassan and a kawa coming together. The psukim and she'ashirim so beautifully describe it as heviyani ha-melech hadarav, ha-kadosh the melech invited us, Klal Yisrael, into his private room to be miyachi together with ha-kadosh baruch hu with Matan And everything was perfect. The world was exactly as it was supposed to be. In fact, the Pasuk in Tillam says, I thought that you were godly. It seemed that Klal Yisrael were attaining Madregas of Malachim, but alas, it wasn't to be. We ended up being Chayev Misa, being subjected to death as a result of a Cheta Egel that we committed. And suddenly, very quickly, just like we had a similar world, the economy was going well, everybody, Baruch Hashem, was, seemed to do well, and we had 
a lot of success and everything was perfect. And suddenly uh, things turned over so quickly. Paul Yisrael also experienced a very similar thing in that we had a, a perfect world of Matan Taira and all of a sudden, very quickly, everything changed in, a, in, in the snap of a finger. And again, the Pasuk in Shashirim says, that while the king was sitting at his party, we gave forth a very foul odor, meaning we were chayte with the egel at the at the actual place of Mantaira at Harsina. That's where we were chayte be egel. The Gemara says, "Aluva kala shezinsa." It's akin to a, a, a kalo who's mizana under her own chuppah, Rahman al-Islam. That's what Kla Yisrael was doing. By rebelling against the Rabbi Yisrael, by being Ebedah by Dezara, by dancing around the ego. And this became a cataclysmic event. We went from being the beloved Amanivchar to being Chayev Kalia. The Rabbi Yisrael wanted to destroy us. And if not for Moshe Rabbeinu's intervention, we would not be here anymore. Now, why this is happening to us today, I'm not uh, justified. I'm not qualified to really comment on that. And I don't know how many people in the world are today. We have G'dayle Adar, and if uh, they want to weigh in on their reasons why they feel this is all happening, then obviously they have the full right to do so. But the average man on the street does not. We don't know why this happens. And whoever says, if they're not a God will be Israel and you're, you're saying reasons why you think it happened, it's absolutely irrelevant. Because you'd have to be the Rabbi Nishlam to understand the, the real reason why this is taking place. What I think we have to focus on is not why this happened to us and why it's unfolding every day in a, a very rapid pace and we don't know what today will bring, what tomorrow will bring, Rahman al-Islam, Hopefully it'll bring good news, but we don't know. But the way that we should be focused at this point is what should our response be? Not why it happened, but what should we, how should we respond as B'nai Taira, as Yidin? How do we, how are we expected to respond? And I suppose that the way that we respond is the way that Klai Yisrael were invited to respond at the time of the Chet And that is that Meshra Rabbeinu comes down from Harsinai, he sees what's going on, and he breaks the Luches, of course, and then he goes and he says to Klai Yisrael, he proclaims, he makes a declaration, and he says, Vayamid Meshra B'Shar HaMachana, Meshra Rabbeinu stands at the entranceway to the Machana, and he says, Mila Hashem Eli. Who to Hashem? Who is to Hashem? Who's in Hashem's camp? Who belongs to Hashem? Who associates himself with Hashem? Whoever has that hergish, whoever has that feeling that they want to be one with the Rabbi Shalom, Eli, come to me right now. Meaning he was calling to arms, literally, whoever wanted to come and be part of his machana, his new camp away from the people that are the Avaryanim. This was an invitation 
to the entire Kal Yisrael. Anyone that felt that they wanted to take part in Meshra Abenu's Machana, they were invited to join him. The Pasuk says, Vayayasfu Elav Halbnei Levi. The regular people, the regular Yisraelim did not come to, to Meshra Abenu. All the other Shvatim and Kal Yisrael, for whatever reason, that doesn't mean that they were all being Chayte Be'egel, some of them were, some of them were a little sympathetic with the uh, people that were dancing around the eagle. Some of them didn't feel that maybe they contributed to the eagle. They didn't feel that they were worthy to join Meshra Rabbeinu's ranks and to actually do battle with those in Klal Yisrael that were serving the eagle. But whatever may be the reason for this taking place, Meshra Rabbeinu sol- invited the entire Klal Yisrael and only a select group of Shevet Levi came to Meshra Rabbeinu and said that we are Tashem. We belong to Hashem. We and Hashem feel, we feel that we're together with Hashem. Rav Shimon Schwab, who was the great Rav in the Kaladasi Shuren community in Washington Heights, when he was young, he was born in Frankfurt in, in Germany. And he went to Eastern European yeshivas to, to learn, to gain his, uh, his formative education in, in, in Tyra. I mean, after the initial Tyra that he learned in Frankfurt, he went to the great yeshivas in Eastern Europe, to Tels and the Mir in Poland. And he spent one Shabbos with the Chavetz Chaim. And this was a very, very critical formative Shabbos that he spent because we have a lot of stories that he would tell over constantly about this Shabbos. We have a lot of Messiah and, and experiences that he gained from this one Shabbos where Schwab wrote everything down. He remembered everything and he told it constantly and he wrote it. And he has a famous story and it's, it's chashub to me, it's chabab to me because he actually, I asked him to tell me it privately. One summer I went to visit a friend who was up in Moodis, Connecticut, where Schwab happened to be for the summer. And I, um, and I was schmoozing with him, and we had a nice relationship. And I just asked him to repeat that story to me. So to me, this story is very chavit. You don't have to hear it from me, but and it's, it's very well known. But it's, that's why, personally, I, I, um, I have a, a special feeling about this, this mice in particular. But what happened was, is that the Chavetz Chaim was already very old when Rav Schwab came to visit him. And they spent some time together privately, besides for all the time that Rav Schwab saw by Shalashudas what the Chavetz Chaim was doing and saying and through all other Sudas and at davening, etc. But he spent some quality time privately with the Chavetz Chaim. And the Chavetz Chaim asked Rav Schwab, a young Bacher at the time, he says, are you a Kayin? And if Shab says, no, I'm not a Kayin. So the Chavetz Chaim asks Rav Shab, why are you not a Kayin? So Shab says, because my father wasn't a Kayin. So he says, okay, why was your father not a Kayin? Rav Schwab didn't know where he was going with this. He thought maybe he was getting a little bit older and he, you know, he wasn't, you know, completely. So he says, but he was going along with it. He says, because his father was not a Kayin. 
And then he said, and why was his father not? Because his father was not a Kayin. And then the Chavetz Chaim stops this line of questioning and he says, you know, I'm a Kayin. So Chavetz Chaim says, every, I mean, Rav says, everybody knows that the Chavetz Chaim is a Kayin. You're the Kayin Gadol of the Dar. So the Chavetz Chaim says that you know why it is that I am a Kayin and you're not a Kayin? It's not just merely because of genetics, because my father and your father. He says, the reason why I'm a Kayin and you're not a Kayin is because thousands of years ago, when Maishra Rabbeinu made this proclamation by the Cheta Egel of Mila Hashem Eli, my Zayda, my great-great-great-great-grandfather, came to Meish Rabbeinu, he answered the call of Meish Rabbeinu, and your great-great-grandfather, for whatever reason, did not come to Meish Rabbeinu at that critical juncture in time. And because of that, L'Netzach Netzachim, till this very day, I am a Kayin and you're not a Kayin. Because my grandfather answered that call, and your grandfather did not, that's why there's all the difference in the world between you and I. And when the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt, I will serve in the Beis HaMikdash and you will not. Because of that one episode in history, when Moshe Rabbeinu invited everybody, and my great-grandfather came and yours did not, that's the reason for the difference between you and I. And the Chavetz Chaim looked at young Rav Schwab and he said, from this you have to learn a very important lesson, that whenever you hear a call of Mila Hashem Eli, you must respond to that call. You cannot ignore the call of Mila Hashem Eli. He says, many times in your life you will be called, you'll be summoned with that message of Mila Hashem Eli, and it will be up to you to react the right way. And if you do, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren for all eternity will be affected, will be different because you answered the call. And if you don't, then you have a lot to answer for because things will be different as a result of that. I think that these days are days that we're summoned to the call of Mila Shemelai. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to us, perhaps, again, I'm not a Navi, but I think that this might be self-evident if you think about it. When times are good, we don't always associate with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When times are good and we're doing well in school, in yeshiva, we're doing well in our businesses, in our careers, in our marriages, in our lives, in our communities, Baruch Hashem, the Jewish community is exploding. Populations are, yeshivas are, are, are bursting at the seams. Beis Yaakov's, Kailim, all across the globe. We're doing phenomenally well and we have a lot to be proud of. But we're so successful sometimes. And we're so self-absorbed almost in our success that we don't always attribute it to the Rabbi Nishayim. We attribute it to ourselves. And we sort of leave the most important thing out of the equation, and that's the Rabbi Nishayim. 
it sort of is like that famous um, joke, if you will, that a person who wasn't a believer, he was looking for a parking spot in Manhattan. He was circling around and around, making a compass in midtown Manhattan, looking desperately for a spot, which is almost impossible to be found. And he says to the Rabbi Nishlam, he says, God, if you exist, help me find the spot and I will put on tefillin tomorrow morning. And all of a sudden, a spot opens up right in front of the building that he needed to be at a meeting in. And he says, never mind, I found it myself. That's the attitude that we have. We feel that our successes are our own. If we're doing well in business, if we're doing well financially, the, stocks, the stock market are, was at an all-time ho- high and we're able to um, go on vacations wherever we want and, and whenever we want. And we have all of the creature comforts that we want and all of the face-up programs and all of the, all of the summer vacations and the summer camps and the schools and, the, and everything that we want, Bakal Mikolko, sometimes we forget the Rabbi Nishayim. Sometimes it's we get a little bit egotistical and we focus on ourselves and our own successes and we forget to relate everything directly to the Rabbi Shalom. And sometimes the Rabbi Shalom has to jolt us into a wake-up call and remind us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is really the one in charge of our successes and of our failures of the triumphs in life and the, and the trials and tribulations of our lives. The Parnassah comes from the Rabbeinu Shalom, the Hatzlacha comes from the Rabbeinu Shalom, the Simcha comes from the Rabbeinu Shalom, the Hatzlacha comes from the Rabbeinu Shalom. Everything is from the Rabbeinu Shalom, and we forget that so often. We claim we have lip service and we say, Baruch Hashem, Mirz Hashem, but it's really not totally sincere. We're really thinking... We do that, we say Baruch Hashem, Yitz Hashem, just because we have like a, it's almost like by road or because we're, you know, we're, it's like an Ayanhara thing that we're afraid if we don't say it, things will change. But in terms of actually attributing everything to the Rabbi Nishim, sometimes we tend not to do that. And we get these wake-up calls that HaKadosh Baruch was saying, remember very clearly that I'm here. I am the Kal Yachal. I could change the entire world in a second. And sometimes we question that. How could you do that? Everything, the stock market is great. My portfolio is doing well. My, my, my business is doing well. My career is amazing. My store is succeeding. I, I have a great, uh, a great chavra and yeshiva. I have a great, uh, great teachers, great rabbeim, great, everything as well. What, 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 could, what could possibly go wrong? And we see how HaKadosh Baruch Hu could, have, at the flick of a switch, just change everything, everything. The stock market goes from all-time high to the record, to record crashings, because it has a ripple effect whether you have money in the market or not. It doesn't matter because everything is affected by that. Yeshivas are affected by that. Sadakas are affected by that. Aniyim, Ashirim, everything changes if the stock market changes. Things are very, very fundamentally different than they were a week ago. We have to daven for that. And it's a ripple effect with everything in life. If, if flights are not flying, if boats are not sailing, if, uh, if trains are not going, that means that there's not going to be people meeting with one another, doing business with, with one another, liquidity in the banks could dry up, um, stores will close, businesses will close. If you can't 
sell things. If there's no retail, people are not going out in public in malls and stores, then stores will close. All the people that are employed in those stores could be laid off. And all the people in the back office could be laid off. There's, there's terrible ramifications of this if it continues going on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could fix it just as quickly as he started, he could end it. But it makes us wake up and say, wow, maybe we weren't so cognizant of the Rabbi Islam when we had it so good. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sort of saying, what's your reaction to this? Are you blaming the president? Are you blaming China? Are you blaming um, the man on the moon? Who are you blaming for this? Or do you say, no, 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 this is, it's not a political thing. This is too big to assign blame on an individual or on, a, or on scientists or on, on, on cabinet members or on different countries or different politicians. This is from the Rabbi Nishlam, And when we get that, when we say, and we respond, we say, yes, we're here. We understand that we're with you, Hashem. We are on your team. We're, we feel close to you. Now we get the message loud and clear that you're in control. When that happens, when that happens, then things could turn back around. I've been through a few of these events throughout my life. I'm not the oldest guy in the, in the world, but I think I'm the oldest guy in this room by far. And, um, but this is not something that's new. Maybe this might be the first time in your lifetime, maybe that there's such a, a major cataclysmic event possibly. But I, went, I lived through 9-11, and there you mamish felt the whole world was coming to a screeching halt, and it was. The plane stopped flying and people were frightened like crazy about what would be next and what other buildings would be bombed and, and, and airplanes flying into buildings and the economy came to a halt, the markets crashed, businesses dried up. That was a terrible time. It happened again in uh, the Black Friday in 1987. Um, again, in 2008, there was a financial meltdown not too long ago. Hurricane Sandy um, affected really a lot of people in, in, our, in our communities. Also, we didn't understand. I, I remember going home to Long Beach and there were like National Guard tanks rolling through the streets of Long Beach, jeeps and tanks. There were sand dunes like in the middle of Park Avenue and the me- and regular, regular streets had like sand all over it from the, and, and, and everything was destroyed. It was like, it was like literally walking through a, a war zone in Long Beach and in, and in uh, Bell Harbor and in Seagate and in, in, in Farakaway and uh, different communities that we're all from or we all know people from. There were times before that Akrish Baruch Hu shows his Gevura. And those times we responded amazingly. One after another, Kla Yisrael came together and we united as a people. We gavined and we, and we learned and we, and we helped one another. And these are times that we have to shine and we have to say, Mila Hashem we respond that we're Klai Yisrael, we're, we're the Jewish people, we're HaKadosh Baruch Hu's people.
it's amazing, you know, um, uh, Rabbi Waxlock, the was my rabbi in, in, in Long Beach, where I grew up, and he was nifter a few weeks ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago. Very suddenly, he had a, he had a terrible sickness, and within a short span of a week, he was nifter. He had, he had Yenamachla, but very bad. And anyway, at the Levaya, they were saying amazing stories about him, and specifically about Hurricane Sandy and how right before the hurricane, he took out thousands and thousands of dollars, the rug, took out thousands of dollars from his bank account. And then, because he saw, he was right as early, he saw what was going to happen, and he was giving it out to people in the community and beyond to fix a boiler, to hire a contractor, to, 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 to anything that, to buy food, anything that needed to be done, he was there. He was like the hero of, of Sandy in, in Long Beach. There were heroes in other communities, but he was definitely, I remember going to Long Beach by Mincha Mayrib. He was standing there and he was doling out food to people. He would bring in food from Brooklyn or he would arrange that food would be given. And then there was like all different types of uh, cleaning supplies that you would need, ammonia and, and, and sponges and Lysol and whatever you needed to disinfect from the mold, from the, from the waters that were coming in. People came together organizations like Achiezer and other such organizations, and of course, Atzal and Chaveirim, if they were alive at the, around the time, I don't remember, but, but you know, there were, there were tremendous achtas in Klal Yisrael. And we're living through times that need achtas. We need achtas ben Adam Chaveir, we need achtas ben Adam Lamakim. I want to suggest one thing that maybe we could we could work on. It's not. I'm not, again. I'm not claiming to be any anything greater than a regular guy, but I'm trying to, you know, think of things that we could perhaps work on as just a little bit of a tikkun that I think we we all could maybe use a little bit of physikin besides for the ordinary things like uh, like davening with kavana and learning better and, uh, and, and doing, giving tzedakah better and, and, and helping people and all the things that would really show that that I'm one with the Rabbi Shalom that I don't take them for granted. There's a part of davening which is very, um, it's very, trying to look for the right word. I, I think overlooked is not a, the right word. I think it's a lot worse than that. And I don't want to use a negative but uh, the, the part of davening I'm talking about is tachanan. Tachanan is like, I think, the, the most, if I could use the word, let's use a nice word, unlike part of davening. Unlike part of davening. I once had a, a Talmud, maybe he's listening right now, um, and he, uh, he lives in Eretz Israel today. He wanted to write a, a book about tachanan, and he, he didn't, I don't think he ever wrote it, but he had a great title for it. The title was going to be, What Did Tachanan Ever Do to You? Because for some reason, everybody has an in for Tachanan. Everyone's gunning for Tachanan. Every time, you know, there's a chassan in the room, and like, especially if it's a Monday and Thursday, they want to like, you want to just like pick up the guy and like, you know, ride him around the base medrash on a chair, uh, give him kavan malachim. Any opportunity to, to, to get out of Tachanan, it's like a, a big simcha. And we're all like this. We're all like very, you know, the only reason why we might like Tachanan is because it gives us a minute to put our head down and, and you know, and sleep for, a, you know, take a little uh, power nap. 
But what is Tachanan? What is it? At its core, what is it? I mean, it's not Shwana Esri, it's not it's not Zimra, it's not Birchas Ashachar, it's not Asher Valutzin, it's not Elena, it's not, it's like somewhere like in the middle, it's like stuck in the middle. And it seems like it's extra. So Pincus says an amazing thing about Tachanan. He says that Tachanan is Nefilas Apayim. We know that there's different Lashinus for Tfila. There's different languages that are used, different expressions throughout Tanakh for different types of tefillah. And in fact, Rapinkas has a whole sefer called Sharon B'Tefillah. And the table of contents, meaning the, the structure, the scaffolding of his sefer, is basically every parak is a different word for davening in Tanakh. So there might be Sa'aka, and there might be tefillah, and there might be... Uh, Chinon, Veschanon. Everyone is a different type. One of the types of tefillah that exist is called nefillah. Nefillah sapayim, ayipo alpanov. What does that symbolize? When we're in nefillah alpayim, we don't do that anymore. Now we just, we fall on our head. But in the old days, they used to mamish do pishet yadayim ravlaim. They would stretch themselves out on the floor. They would prostrate themselves on the floor totally. What did that represent? So Pinka says it represents bitl. Bitl means that I am completely being mevatl myself to you, Hashem. I am nothing to you. I'm nothing. Now, when things are going good, it's really hard to have that kavana. Maybe that's why we don't feel comfortable doing tachanun in, in its real way, because we feel that you know, I don't have to be mevatel myself to the Rebbe because thank you very much. I'm doing very well on my own. I have a career. I have a degree. I'm going for, to graduate school. I have a nice family. I have nice kids. I have parents, Baruch Hashem. I have, uh, things are going well, Baruch Hashem. I mean, what, what could be bad? I have three square meals a day. I have a roof over my head. I have heat in the, in the winter and, and air conditioning in the summer. I have a home. I have a camp. I have a, I have a life. So for me to be mevatel myself to the Rabbi for me to, to go and, and, and completely put myself down to the Rabbi and say, everything is you, I don't feel comfortable doing that because that would sort of be recognizing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everything and I am nothing. And I don't want to think that way. I want to feel like I have my own, I have my own, life, and I, I have my own successes, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is definitely getting the assist, but he's not everything. These types of moments that we're going through, these historic times that we're living through, are times of Tachanan. There are times that whether you realize it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, you have to be Neifel Alapayim. You have to throw yourself down, or at least put your head down and say, I admit, I, you know, I'm crying uncle. I, I admit I have nothing but you. There is nothing but you in the world. I didn't know that until, until a few days ago because I thought that there was Purim. I thought there was Pesach. I thought, I thought the Zman was going well. I thought my stocks were doing fine. I thought my business was, was great. I thought that the economy was at its strongest ever. Unemployment at all-time lows and, uh, and the, the markets at all-time. Everything was perfect. We, didn't, we don't need God. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, oh, yes, you do. Because look at what the world would be if I just 
decide to change things. And you say, you can change things. You can, like, because everything is, is so good. You can't change things. And I can yes, I can. And I will. And he did. And Hashem is basically saying now to us, Mila Hashem Eli, do you understand now that I'm Hashem? Do you understand now who I am, what, I, what role I'm really playing in the world? Yeah, I, I let you have your successes, but they're my successes. And don't ever forget it. I'll give it back to you, but only once you get clear that it's from me. The philosophian basically says that when you daven, don't daven thinking that I am great and HaKadosh Baruch was just my assistant, Kaviyachal. Or don't think that when, you're, when you have a medical issue, Leilene, or you know somebody that does, that you basically are saying to the Ravina Shalom, um, I have the best team of doctors out there. I'm in the best hospital. I have really good uh, drugs that I'm taking. I, you know, these are the best of the best. I, 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 and I'm going to open up my till once in a while and dive into the Ravina Shalom as a plan B or as a plan Z. That's not the right way to do things. The right way to do things is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is my plan A through my plan Z. Yes, I need to go to a hospital. Yes, I need to take my medication. I need to see a good doctor because HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that he wants us to do that. But the Rabbi Shalom is the doctor with a capital D. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our financial person with a capital F. HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides for us with a capital P. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our Rebbe with a capital R. Whatever we have in life, Everything and anything that we have is all from him. And the Philos HaPayim should not be the thing that we are, that we are dying to, to get around because then we'd be missing almost maybe the most important part of davening, which is this, saying to that when I just daven Shemana Esrei, all those brachas about Rifeinu and Gael and, and Baruch Aleinu and, and Shemach Aleinu and and, and to Kabbashai, for all these brachas that we're asking the Rabbi Nishlam, these are not a plan B bracha, these are I'm, everything is you. Everything is you. There's nothing but you. We don't see that on a normal day. We haven't seen that in a long time. But today we see that there's nothing but the Rabbi Nishlam. Meisha, I think, used to say that that if somebody is thinking about coming to your minion, let's say a chassan is thinking about coming to your minion, you should like maybe ask a chassan not to come to your minion so that you shouldn't be deprived of saying tachanah. He wasn't invited. We were like, we're like, you know, putting up, uh, you know, ads on, on WhatsApp groups or something. Please, we're begging chassanim to come Monday and Thursday, you know, and if they come, they got picked and they, they miss chassan on Monday and Thursday, they'll get it over the head from everybody. Hey, we're, we needed you today. What do you mean you needed you? Ramesh was dying to say Burachim. Moshe was dying to say that because it's an opportunity to show the Rabbi that I'm completely mevatel myself to you. There's enoin mevatel. That's what Achanan is. And if you believe that, really, this is the way to stop the magefa. This is the way to stop the, the sickness in the world. This is the way to stop the financial collapse in the world. This is the way to stop all of the other inter-social things that are coming to a grinding halt. We have a chaver in yeshiva, a talmud in yeshiva getting married on Sunday. We have talmidim in yeshiva getting married for the next few weeks. I think I have 10 
hassle invitation, not just from guys in yeshiva, but guys, but people in the community and relatives. And I don't know what to do. I want to be at there. I, I, I responded that I was coming. I bought tickets to some of them to fly. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I really don't know. Isn't that pathetic that we, we can't even attend people simchas? A chassan gets married once in his life. He wants to actually have his rabbeim and his friends be there. And like, we're, we're scratching our heads. Can we, can't we, should we, shouldn't we? And if they do come, you know, if, if we do go, do we dance with him? Do we not dance with him? Do we figure out a, a weird way to dance? I'm like, what? What's going on? Like, do you hop how, 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 how severe this is just on a personal level? Forget on a global level. It's a recognition of Eina and Mavadin. It's a Tachanan. We're living in a period of Nefila Sapayim. That Mila Shemelai, I'm answering the call. I recognize that there's nothing but you, Rabbi Shem. I have nothing but you. And if you recognize that there's nothing but you, then that's the message. That's what the Rabbi Shalom wants. I don't know what triggered it exactly. I'm not a Navi. I don't know why this happens. But I do know that when there is a cataclysmic event, like a Cheta Egel in the parasha, you have to answer Mila Shemelai. If you answer the call of Mila Shemelai, the Magefa goes away. Not just for us currently, but Ladar Dairus. The Chavetz Chaim was a Kayin because his great-great-grandfather answered Mila Shemelai, and our great-great-grandchildren will be different if we answer the call of Mila Shemelai. If we act like as if it's all natural that these events happen, and you know it happens every few years, the stock market was, was due for a correction. Anyway, all these, all these things, the Ramam says that's, an, that's Azarius. If you don't respond to crisis recognizing that it's from the Rebbein Shalom, then you are wicked, you're evil, because you're not understanding why HaKadosh Baruch is bringing about these things. He's not bringing about to suffer, that we suffer. He's not bringing about to, to uh, you know, for us to lose our money or for us to not to have nice fastness. He's bringing it about because he wants us to chak, that he exists, that he's in the world. Behester upon him, but he's here. So maybe if we would focus a little bit on Tachanan, not a huge Kabbalah, and it's hard. I tried already this morning because I don't want to be hypocritical. And it's a little hard because, you know, you're tired already. It's, you just have shots. You want your coffee already. It's hard. But like if you focus a little bit, it's really Kedai. It, 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 it's, it's really, it's a major part of davening Tachanan. It's not a little thing. It's the little things in life that are really the most important things. It's ironic, but it's those small things that people overlook. The mitzvah shadim, they you sort of trample on them. Those are the things you got to really keep your eye out on. I'm not saying that if we say tafanan, everything is going to be better, but I think it might. can't hurt. Because tafanan really is this. It's the response to, to crisis. It's being, basically saying that I recognize that I haven't been giving the Rabbi Nishon his full due, and now I'm coming and I'm answering the call of me, Lashem Eli. I'm saying, I get it, Lashem Eli. I'm here for you. I'm with you. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I'm here, and you're here, and you're here. And before you know it, we become the saviors, the champions of the world, if we can really understand what we're saying is true.
just want to end with one short story about Rapinkas himself as a young child. And I think it really sort of captures this Varda Rapinkas about Tachanun, but as a, you see that already in his early years, when he was a little boy, he already had this germinating inside of him. This seed was already starting to grow, this, this concept of that when you daven with all of your kavana, things happen. Picture a little boy, maybe three, four years old, and it was Rapinkas on Shavuos night. As a little child, and of course, every child, every little boy wants to go with his father to learn uh, Shavuos night, learning the whole night. It's exciting. You get a lot of you know, food. You get to learn. You go to Shirim. It's fun. You know? And so every child wants to do that. Every father does not want to take his child because I know it's going to happen. I'm going to walk in the yeshiva. He's going to want to come home then right away. It's not going to work out. I'm going to not be able to learn the right way, and everything is going to go awry. So Rapinkas was all dressed up in his yantav suit, and he asks his father nicely, Tati, can you please take me to, you, to, to the base medish tonight to learn Shavuos night? And his father already had his coat on. He was already out the door. He says, no. He says, too late for you. It's a bigger mitzvah. It's not your mitzvah yet. You're not old enough. When you get old enough, you'll, we'll learn together. But right now, you have to go to sleep. He says, please, Tati, just let me come with you. It's Shavuos night. Let me come with you. He says, no. He says, no, I'm going by myself. And he's like, you know, little Rapinkas is giving him those, uh, you know, the, the dog eyes, you know, the puppy eyes, you know, begging, pleading, crying. And the father says, no. And he just, he, you know, he has to just go, go ready to learn. And he closes the door on him and he walks, he walks to the base medrash. And he sits and he opens up his safe for his Gemara in the base medrash. And, um, and what happened was that um, he, uh, he, uh, he can't learn because he's so focused on little Shimshin sitting at home and depressed and sad and that maybe I should have taken him. He has such a guilty conscience that he, he basically, um, he, uh, he just can't concentrate. So he says, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to go home. If he's sleeping, if he's sleeping, then everything will be good. He's, uh, uh, you know, then, then I'll come back to Yeshiva and learn. If he's not sleeping, I'll take him. So Rapinkas goes back and he, uh, he, sees, he sees his son, Shimshin, sitting on the steps, just waiting for him to come. It's like an hour and a half, two hours later. And he says, he says, Tati, can we go now? So he says, yeah. He says, but wh- why did you wait up for me? He says, how did you know that I was going to come back? So he said, what do you mean? He says, I daven Tashem, you were going to come back. Meaning that it was such a dover pashat for Pincus that if you daven Tashem, that things will happen in the way that you want it to happen. This was the future Sharon Bitfield. This is the man that authored perhaps the, the greatest safer of our time on Tefillah. And this was the seed that was planted early. This, this is where it came from, an early age. He believed that if you believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu fully, if you say, if I think that 
maybe he'll come back, maybe he won't come back, and I'll dab in a little bit that he should come back. That's not going to work. If you put all of your amuna and all your bitachin, the rabbanishlam, that it will work out the way that you want it to work out, the way that you think it's appropriate to work out, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds to tefillah. If it's a half and half, if it's just a, a compromise, that's not good enough. Tefillah has to be benefilah. It has to be a complete hispatlus to the Rebbeinu Ratzin. Only when you're totally giving everything that you have to the Rebbeinu and you say, whether it's by every Kriya in Shemana Esrei and by Maidim, and every single time you bend your knees, you say to the Rebbeinu that I am telling you, Rebbeinu that this is... It's all about you. I'm giving everything complete as fatless. And by Tachan specifically, it's complete as fatless. At that point, that's when a person will be able to accomplish great things. That's when a person is able to understand that Einan Mobadr. That's how we respond to Mila Shamelai. We're living in a time that, that, that it's, it's absolutely crazy. The world has gone crazy. The, gr- the world has gone mad. And we don't know what will be. Nobody knows what will be. Chavitz Chaim used to say that people that say that they know, um, they know, those that know, those that say when Mashiach come don't know, and those who know when Mashiach is going to come don't say. So when people say, this is a sign Mashiach is going to come, this is a, I don't, we don't know. People don't know. The people that know, they're not saying. The people that say, they don't know. That's a rule of thumb that we have in the Chavetz That's a Kabbalah that we have. It definitely seems like it's a time that Mashiach would really be welcome to this world. We would welcome with open arms. That also is something that we have to work on our bitachin in, in B.S. Mashiach, because when things are going well, we don't feel that need for Mashiach. You know, why would I want Mashiach? Everything's going so great. Why would I want him to come? I have to make Aliyah, move to Eretz Yisrael, and like I don't, I don't speak the language that well, and I don't have a, my career doesn't translate well overseas, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Like it's not something. But when things are really desperate, we we begin to feel the Rabbi Shalom. <coughs> we begin to feel Mashiach a little bit, and, and how it's very possible. I've seen videos lately of um of how um. Uh, the Kinneret and in a lot, like the, the waves are, are crashing. Anyone see that? Like waves are, are like the, the tide is very high right now. And it's just all like un, unprecedented, I think. You know, the, the, it's like, cra- like, like waves of the Kinneret. Where does Kinneret have waves? It's a lake. It's like Mamish coming in on the shoreline and like and crashing over the, over the walkways around. It's like there's something going on in the world. I don't know what it is. I don't claim to know what it is. And I, I wouldn't be so foolish as to predict what it is. But we could daven, we could, we could have some emunah in the Rabbi Nishan and, and, and hope and pray that it, it's a foreboding, it's a foretelling, it's a, it's a foretaste of something big that will happen in a positive way. But it's, again, it all is about how we respond. If we respond and we look for, you know, we're obsessed with our phones and what's going on and all the hack and all the rain, and if the, you know, the plane stops flying and, you know, and, and how the, the stock market is doing, we get obsessed with this. I just... Somebody just sent me a text this morning that I want to quarantine my phone because it's making me sick. I want to quarantine my phone. The phone is like the enemy almost because we get so obsessed by all the minutia of what's going on, all the hack, and, and as a result of that, we, we lose focus on, on the Rabbi Nishalom again. That would be the, the worst thing that we could do right now because 
if the whole, if my thesis is correct, that the whole thing is brought about to recognize the Rabbi Yisham, to recognize Enai Malvadi, to recognize that Mila Hashem Eli. So the worst thing that we could do is get focused on the, the, the stupidity and the trivialities of this, of this crazy time that we're living in and worry about the NBA and which actors are sick. Well, that's not the point. The point is, what, are we gonna, what, what have we done wrong and how can we improve? Can we get closer to the Rebbein Can we state emphatically that Lashem Eli, I'm taking the Rebbein back. I'm embracing the Rebbein I'm, I'm, I'm I have a moon on the Rebbein again. The closer that we get during these days to the Rebbein the more we have a chance of being able with Dardiris to affect history. It just takes a few people to change the course of history. And it might be the people in this room, whether it's in this room physically or, or this virtual room, which people are, are tuning in. But this is what it's all about. It's it's, it's, it's declaring straight up that I believe that there's a Rabbi in the world. I believe that the Rabbi is Mahava the world, he created the world, he continues to run the world, and if you can't see that now, you'll never see it. If we get obsessed with, the, with, the, with, with personalities and, and politicians right now and, and how people are, are, are doing the right thing, doing the wrong things, good leadership, bad leadership, that's not what this is about. This is about a time of declaring Hashem Eli, answering the call, and if we're able to answer the call, we'll answer our calls of, of help us because we really need it right now. This will probably be the last quasi-live uh, schmooze for the, uh, for the rest of the Zman. Hopefully, you know, after Pesach, we will reconvene in the Bismarck as normal. Um, But from now on, Mitzvah Shem will continue meeting on, uh, on Zoom for Baden and for Shmuz and Mitzvah Shem. And, um, but it's a time of, of tefillah, it's a time of introspection, it's a time of a, like an El Aser Shuba type of feel right now in the air. And, and Benisan Nigalu, Benisan Asidin Ligal, Nisan is right around the corner. And uh, Mitzvah Shem, if we respond, who knows? Maybe this is the time. Maybe we were put here right now at this point in life to, to bring an end to this skullus and to usher in the time of Gula, which we, which we daven for. If we haven't daven fully for, we have to start davening now really well for. And uh, yeah, we should uh, only see Yeshua's and Nechamas, Rufu's, all the people that are affected. People should be able to once again congregate Tefillah B'tzibor, we should not take for granted when we can daven. Tefillah B'tzibor, when we can learn in yeshiva and a base medrash, when we can uh, be at people's simchas in a normal fashion. These are things that we must never, ever again take for granted. And mitzah Hashem, we should only hear B'suris, Taibes, Yeshua, Svenachames. Have a wonderful Shabbos.